Well, good morning, everyone. Happy spring. Happy Mothering Sunday. Happy Sunday. It's lovely to be back with you today and a privilege to be conducting your service this morning. Maybe you've done this already, but let's just make sure. Would you like to turn to the people around about you and say hello, good morning, glad you're here today. We're going to pray together now. I'm going to open in prayer and then I'll invite you as a community together to finish by saying the Lord's Prayer, the prayer we know so well together. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for this your day because this is a day that you've made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you that we can freely meet together in this place in love and fellowship as we worship you. As we come before you, Lord God, help us to lay down the cares of the week which has just gone by. And in these few minutes, help us to still our hearts and focus our thoughts on you, our Lord and our God. We confess that we often fall short in our dealings with you and with others. Even sometimes we fall short in our dealings with ourselves. But the truth is that as we look to you this morning in private confession of these shortcomings, we can each be assured that you are faithful to forgive and you place our sins as far as east is from west. We thank you for each of those who may later be listening to this service on the podcast and we ask you to bless them wherever they may be. Most of all, dear Lord, this morning we thank you for one another in this place. We thank you for our community together and we now as a community pray the familiar prayer that our Lord Jesus taught his first disciples saying, Our scripture readings this morning are from the New International Version. Our Old Testament reading is from Psalm 36 and it's verses 5 to 9. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. 
you give them drink from the river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. And our New Testament reading is from 1 John chapter 4 and reading verses 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Amen. Having come this far into the service this morning, you don't get any prizes for guessing my sermons about love. When I was invited to take this service today, I looked at the date, and it's during Lent, which I'd mentioned already, with its focus on the cross and our preparation for Easter. It's also your monthly communion service. It's also Mothering Sunday, so the theme of love seemed just a bit appropriate today. What a subject and what a privilege to have the opportunity to preach about it. What surprised me in my preparation, though, in looking at our New Testament text, and you might want to follow me in your Bible, it's in 1 John 4, 7 to 12. What surprised me was the sheer strength of this love that was coming across to me as I was reading commentaries and reading different versions of the Bible. One commentator describes this as the most profound analysis of Christian love in the New Testament, surpassing even the passage on love that we know so well from 1 Corinthians 13. God's priority in this passage is his love for us. And it's this vertical love for us, God for us, that actually allows and makes possible our love for each other. Sometimes when we think of love, we think of it purely in human terms. We think of it as being a little bit romantic or perhaps a bit slushy. And I'm sure us mums have had lots of slushy words in our cards this morning. But that's not what this love is talking about in 1 John. What we're dealing here is very different. It's not of human origin. It's not a sentiment and it's not an emotion. This love has been since the beginning of time, is and ever shall be. And it calls to us today, this morning, across our conflicted world, 
And you couldn't miss in the news recently how conflicted our world is. It also calls across to us personally in perhaps conflicted situations that we come across from time to time. Perhaps you've been hurt by someone and you don't know how to respond to them. You want to respond to them in love, but other emotions come up and it's difficult. Or perhaps you're distracted by something and you're wondering, where's God now? Or perhaps you're in a situation where you're just wondering, have I really got this right? Is God really in this? This is a love that comes to us today, that knows us intimately, that knows us by name, that has numbered the hairs on our heads. And it comes to us today in gentleness and tenderness, but it also comes to us today in power, strength and power that holds us together in community. It's a love that, according to one old hymn, simply will not let us go, and to another is vast as the ocean. I think I warned you the last time that hymns come tripping out my mouth like snow off a dike. I've been around churches too long. Where am I going this morning? Well, first of all, I'm going to look at the background for First John very briefly. Then I'm going to go into the text in three chunks of two verses each, which is why you might want to have your Bibles open in front of you. And lastly, I'd like to try and apply the, world, the word by bringing us an encouragement today. So here's the background. First, John isn't really a letter at all. It's a pastoral manual or a sermon. And it was probably written for circulation around a number of churches, not really a letter to one church alone. And although the writer doesn't introduce himself, it's thought it was the Apostle John who wrote his gospel and also the book of Revelation that wrote this, this letter too. If indeed it was John the Apostle, he would have been a very credible witness because he'd been with Jesus since the earliest days of his ministry. And at the start of this letter, John describes Jesus as the word of life who was from the beginning. And that kind of echoes his gospel where he starts with the familiar words, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What is this letter? Well, it's a gentle pastoral encouragement for those who had experienced difficulty. They needed assured of their standing as God's children and encouragement on the path they were treading. John was building up their confidence. He was saying to them, continue in faithfulness and unity, but most particularly he was saying to them, continue in Christian love. And the word love, now I don't speak Greek, but I'm assured the word love in Greek occurs in the first letter of John no fewer than 43 times. So I guess this is about love. Now we're going into the first section, verses 7 and 8, and I'm going to read them to you. This is about the source of love. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And here we have John exploring the relationship between the vertical plane of God's love for us and the horizontal plane of our human love for each other. And as he does this, he makes two statements. Love comes from God and God is love. And the second statement, God is love, is the more far-reaching one. And the way you can test this is if you try to substitute for God the name of your best pal or because it's Mother's Day, your mom or your husband. Would you really say, mum is love? 
or Harry is love? I suspect not. Because love doesn't characterize mum or Harry quite in the way it characterizes God. Because God is love, the second statement flows on from that. So love comes from God. He's the source And it's like electricity. It flows into us, flows through us, and flows out. So it's a kind of wave pattern. The famous artist Michelangelo painted an incredible and well-known section of the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel, which shows God reaching down to Adam and touching his fingertips and giving him life. In exactly the same way as we reach up to God and let him touch us with his love, his love flows into us, and then there's an outpouring to those around us. This is what Jesus meant to happen when he said, when John says in his gospel at 1335, by this shall men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So God is the ultimate source of love and our loving of each other manifests our spiritual parentage for all to see. At verse 8, John's also stating the negative viewpoint. He says, if people don't love like this, they simply don't know God and they're not in touch with the source of love. You have to be aware that John's a bit uh, heavy-handed with his contrasts in 1 John. And historically, here he would have been referring to the people that had left his church and fallen away from the truth. But you can see the point he's making. If we don't love each other with this love that comes from God, we're out of touch with God. That can make us feel ouch sometimes. The second section is verses 9 and 10, and this is about the model of love. And I'll read them to you now. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I was reading an old dusty book on sermons and it really was a dusty old book on sermons. I got it up by the university just close to here in one of those second-hand bookshops where you go through piles of books to try and find something. But this was a great find. In one of the sermons it said, the word love always needs a dictionary. And for us Christians, the dictionary is Jesus Christ. Shall I run that one back through for you because it's quite astounding. The word love always needs a dictionary, and for Christians, the dictionary is Jesus Christ. John doesn't leave his readers here trying to puzzle out what God's love looks like as an abstract concept. All he does is point us to Jesus. God's model of love was sent by God to the earth, and then he laid down his life for all of us. What John is saying here is God's son is our exemplar of how we are to love each other. And what is it about this love shown in the giving of Jesus that makes it a model? Well, firstly, in Jesus coming to earth in the incarnation, love became visible to us. Secondly, the love that sent Jesus was sacrificial and redeeming ultimately demonstrated in the cross and the resurrection. And thirdly, the sending of Jesus into the world and our receiving of salvation was dependent on God's action, not ours. 
Put simply then, this love that John's saying to have for one another is visible, and through it people see Jesus Christ. It's sacrificial and redemptive, and finally it's active in response to the Father's will. Regarding visibility, John was here encouraging the believers to be living out this love amongst them with their acts of kindness, generosity, and service to others. Regarding its redeeming character, there are echoes of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God has loved each of us in a way that has given us life. And it's the atoning sacrifice of Jesus that means we are able to be in this life-giving realm where we can share God's love with each other. We don't simply stand underneath the ceiling and look up at Adam and God and God giving Adam life and say, isn't that beautiful? We don't have to. We're all believers. We've been touched by God, have felt his life coming into us. And we together can express that very same healing, dynamic, and beautiful life-giving love to each other. And this love is active. It comes from God. And it's God's activity in our lives that shapes how we express it to each other. The last section is the command to love. And this is at verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Wow, what a challenge and what a responsibility. This is part of our heritage of having become a joint heir with the Son, part of having been grafted into the true vine. We are in touch with the source and essence of love. And in demonstrating this love to each other, we ourselves are made complete. We're fulfilling our life purpose as Christ's disciples, our very reason for being. We're reflecting the Father's heart for all his children. And in so doing, we bring ourselves to wholeness and peace. It was St. Augustine who was reputed to have said, my heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. I had the privilege, or maybe not the privilege, (laughs) of studying Augustine just at the back end of last year. His whole life was about searching for love. And until he converted at age 31, he searched in many, many places for this love. Some of them were good, but some of them were very not good. And he said that in all his searching... The only place he found true, authentic love was in God, and he spent the rest of his life serving God. What John is saying to us in this text is, be as Christ to each other. Let your love be visible, sacrificial, always redemptive, and actively responsive to the will of the Father. If we do this, in the words of another apostle, Paul in the famous Corinthian passage on love, With unveiled faces, we will be reflecting the Lord's glory, being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The 
command to love does not stem from an outward compulsion. John isn't cracking a whip over his churches and saying, get on with this loving bit. No, it's an inward response of joy that recognizes before we ever made a response to the Lord Jesus Christ, he first loved us. And it's really amazing what John tells us, that our mutual Christian love actually manifests the presence of the invisible God. And this is because it reflects Christ, who according to Colossians 1.15, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Finally, how do we apply this message to ourselves this morning? What John was saying to his churches was, it's okay, you guys, it's been hard for you. But you're on the right track, keep going. You've not fallen out of God's will. And I sense the Lord saying that afresh to us this morning. Also, while we celebrate human love for each other in all sorts of ways, maybe today you're going out for a Mother's Day lunch. Maybe you're celebrating a friend's birthday. And you're certainly here celebrating the Lord's Day and participating around the Lord's table. In all this celebration, I think the word to us this morning is to remember that our Heavenly Father is the ultimate source of love. And it's as we are in right relationship with him, with our Lord Jesus as our model, and allowing the Holy Spirit to irrigate our lives daily, that we remain in contact with the source of love that sent his Son to die for us. And if we do that, the overflow in our lives will be so obvious to everyone round about us. And we'll show them that that same Jesus came to die for them and give them eternal life. This love then comes from the very source of love, enhances our purely temporal love, and enables us to love others with the love that God loves us. What a challenge. And yet what a joy to remain so firmly rooted in God through Christian love that we truly are his hands and his feet and his mouthpieces out to a world that has no hope. The original readers of 1 John needed reassurance about their salvation. We can therefore most assuredly stand with them today and affirm that through the love that God had for each one of them and has for each one of us on Christ, the solid rock, the ground of truth, and the example God gives us of love, we can stand and feel secure. All other ground is sinking sand. This God, our God, is love. Amen. Let's now pray again, bringing others before the Lord as we remember them in intercession before the throne of grace. Dear Lord God, as we watch our television screens, we can only gasp at what many of our fellow human beings are suffering across many parts of the world. Our first thoughts are with the people of Ivory Coast, and the reported massacre at Jaquay. Lord, we don't know what to pray except to plead for the killing to stop and your peace to reign. Lord, be with the people of Ivory Coast. 
minister them to them by your Holy Spirit and please bring political resolution. Once again this morning we think of the people of Japan and ask for your mercy on them as they seek to recover from the triple disaster that has hit them. Their situation seems so difficult and their needs so great. All we can do is ask that by your mighty power you come and touch each person at their point of need. We particularly ask your Holy Spirit to minister to the needs of the children who have been left without one or both parents and ask for your comfort to keep them close to your heart, to your heart, Lord. And Lord God, while thanking you for the progress in the resolution of the nuclear problem, we also ask that you give the authorities supernatural wisdom and practical solutions to complete the job of making the nuclear plants safe. We think of the news that has just come out of Afghanistan and the recent deaths at Mizari Sharif, Kandahar, Kabul. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, please restore order out of chaos. Bring your peace and comfort to grieving families, whoever they are and wherever they may be. This morning, we also particularly think of Nigeria, home to quite a number of our students here in Hillhead. This month of April, and tomorrow is the start of the important Nigerian elections. We pray for these elections to be credible, free from conflict and violence. We also pray for these elections to be fair and for the leader who is eventually elected to office to be the leader you have chosen. Lord, we ask for these elections to herald a time of political stability for Nigeria and for good government processes that prosper all Nigerian people to be put in place. We think of Libya and other places like Yemen, Syria and Bahrain, which have all become flashpoints of the Middle East. Lord, we ask for peace to reign where there has been violence and for the establishment of a just rule of law and fair government in each country. Lord, we see the devastation that has happened particularly in Libya and ask for your mercy and comfort for the families in which there have been lives lost or injuries inflicted. Lord, give our government and the leaders of the NATO operations wisdom in all their dealings over Libya. We think of our nation at home now and the recent unrest in London and elsewhere. We ask for peace and stability as we move through this time of cuts and attempts to rebuild the economy. Father, our particular prayer would be that our nation through this time of difficulty would turn to you and find their anchor in you as the only one who is a solid rock on whom we can depend. And we ask for your merciful grace and peace to comfort the family of the young police officer Ronan Kerr killed yesterday in Oma. Lord, may there be no more violence in Ireland. 
With today being Mothering Sunday, which has come to be a celebration of motherhood, we ask for all mothers in our nation to be blessed, encouraged and affirmed in the importance of their mothering role. But we also ask for comfort for those across our nation for whom Mother's Day this year brings an added sense of loss in their grief at perhaps having recently lost their own mother. Bless them especially today, we ask. And lastly, we think of our community here at Hillhead and our friends and family. As I pause in a moment and leave a brief time of silence, in the quietness of our hearts, we name those known to us who have specific needs at this time. Father, be with them and bring your healing comfort to sustain each of them. May they know your presence beside them in a tangible way as we pray right now. For we ask all these things knowing that you hear us and are answering even before the words are out of our mouths or spoken in the privacy of the thoughts of our hearts. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory. Amen.